All right, y'all, how are you guys doing? This is John Wallace. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this. Uh, we just are super excited to jump on here and, and share the message of the gospel with people, try to reach people for Jesus. I'm currently the pastor at New Beginnings Church in Huntington, Texas. I tell you, God is doing some amazing things in the, the little community that we're in and uh, just super excited. I got my really good friend here, Tanner Crawford, who loves the Lord anointed by God, called by God, very passionate about reaching people for Jesus. You want to say something, Tanner? Yeah, I, I just want to say something. Uh, you know, throughout the history of the church, um, it's been very difficult to get the church off the ground numerically. Uh, and I think a lot of that is because the pastors before have all been wonderful, um, but have not put at the forefront of their ministry to get the church off the ground spiritually. Um, and before you can ever grow numerically, it's very important that you grow spiritually. And I think that John really has put that at the forefront of his mind and his heart as far as leading this church and in everything that he does, he makes sure that everything is about the spirit. Uh, so I just, you know, to those who it may concern, you're like, I don't know if I should listen to this guy. My stamp of approval is definitely on this man. He is definitely anointed by God, called by God. And I do believe that uh, New Beginnings is going to, uh, going to take off here very soon, not only spiritually, but also numerically. Hey, man, I got the Tanner Crawford stamp of approval, baby. That's awesome. <laughs> that you can retire. I can retire. That's all I need in life right there. Yeah, but, you know, so we've had a lot of people uh, bring this up to me and to the church that, you know, they've been coming to New Beginnings Church. They've been getting touched by God. You know, we live uh, in a community that there's a really heavy spirit of religion in the community that we live in. You know, I'm not calling out any denominations or anything specifically, but you know, we live in a very traditional community where people are more stuck to, I think, the just the system of religion and not true experiencing the true relationship that we have with Christ and, and and experiencing the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and seeing supernatural things take place. And so we've started seeing just the message of faith going forward and, and touching so many people. And they've came and said, man, I that was awesome. And they're, they're receiving so much. And they, they've came and asked if, if there's a way that they can re-listen to a sermon that we've given or, or uh, you know, have some of that information. And so God has just been pressing it on me uh, and some of the others in our church that man, we just need to reach more people for Jesus. And the Internet is an easy way to do that. In the time that we live in, it would be dumb to not utilize that resource. And so super excited to get on here uh, again. You know, I just feel like there's there's so much junk circulating uh, in the body of Christ right now that, that Satan is so hell bent and set on keeping the promises of God away from the sons and daughters, away from believers, from people seeing the promises that we have in the word of God. And again, that people just get stuck living in this dead religion and living in a life that, that it's just constantly a struggle and this this mindset of mountaintop and and valley Christianity that you'll go through life where you're on the mountaintop. But how many of you know, you know, we got to go through the valley and and God's not God's not the God that moves mountains. God is the God that that he just walks with us through the valley and he carries us and he dries our tears. And, it, you know, that's not the Jesus that we serve. And that's not the God that I serve. The Jesus that I serve never told me, you know, take a hike up the mountain in this mountaintop and valley Christianity. The Jesus that I serve told me in the word that we could speak to the mountain and command it to move and it would be removed. 
That, that you, will we face things? Absolutely. Will we go through things? Absolutely. Will we go through trials and temptations and tests and things that come against us? Yes, because there's a devil that has an assignment against us. You know, the same way that the Lord has an assignment for us. I'm telling you right now that Satan, uh, it's weird to think of this, but Satan is a very, runs an organized criminal uh, organization. That, that there is demons that are assigned to our life, that there are demonic forces and principalities assigned to our life. So to say that we won't ever be confronted with trials is, is absolutely untrue. But again, the message of faith that Jesus promised us is, hey, you may encounter devils, but behold, I have given you all authority over the power of the devil. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. So uh, you know, that's kind of the premise is going into this podcast. I would like everybody to know up front. This is what we believe. We don't hold back. You know, the message of faith can be offensive to some because honestly, when you believe the Bible, you see in the New Testament that God has put a responsibility on us. We know that we go through things in life and things don't turn out sometimes the way that we would like or the way that we would we, we wish that they would have. And so our e the easy explanation is to throw our hands up in the air and say, God, why, why did you allow this? This must be God's will. You know, something didn't happen the way that we wanted to see. And so we start thinking this must be God's will. I guess this was the Lord's will or purpose or plan. And But we need to put the responsibility. The message of faith says, look, Jesus you know, he ascended into heaven and he sent us the Holy Spirit. And now we are ambassadors on this earth for Christ, which means we are the representation of Christ on this earth. So there's so many times we're throwing our hands up saying, God, why aren't you doing something? And God's saying, what are you talking about? I gave you the badge. I gave you the authority. I told you what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Uh, and so Again, the message of faith can be offensive to some because it takes the responsibility somewhat off of God and says, hey, maybe there's a responsibility on me to carry this faith, to develop this faith, to develop the gifts that the Lord has given me and to operate in the full authority of Christ. And so uh, I'm just super excited. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I just want to go ahead and jump into the topic we're going to be talking about for this first podcast and in our church, the last several weeks, we've been going over prayer and fasting. Tanner, have, how have you felt about how that's been, what it's been producing in, in our church? Man, Not to I, catch you off guard, but. <laughs> I, I feel like it's really done a number to the kingdom of hell um, because it's like you said, man, there, there's a lot of people that don't understand the importance of prayer and fasting. You know, we all pray. But I think the big misconception about prayer is that it's just some puny thing that we do when we're in trouble. When in reality, it is our sword. It's our weapon. It's our prayers, our conduits. That's how the power that we get empowered with from the Holy Spirit comes down into us and gives us that, as you say, the badge to whip out and, you know, show Satan, hey, you know, you have no authority here. Uh, so and I think it's just really important because the enemy's main goal is to keep you ignorant. Amen. Not just of his existence, but of your capabilities and of your empowerment that you're entitled to through the Holy Spirit. And I think that, you know, John has done a very, 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 you know, well above average job at communicating, communicating, uh, you know, not only the importance, but also the components that that go into and make up fasting and praying uh, the correct way. So 
Um, John, I think that in my life personally, there's been some things that, you know, have really been multiplying. Amen. You know, I, yeah, I, I do a pod. I just started my podcast. You know, the first the first video, the first podcast I let out, 37 listens, you know, full through my 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 video game stream. All that stuff is taken off because I'm prayer and I'm going to God and I'm bringing him my petition. God, you said in your word that the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So here I am. Hey, man. So I think that it's I think that it's been awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. And, you know, I tell you, the reason we're doing this is because I personally feel like, you know, growing up, I I never received a lot of teaching about prayer growing up in the church. You know, I knew that as a Christian, praying is something we should do. I'm like, well, I know I'm a Christian. I should pray, but I never understood why, you know, and I never received training about what prayer was or even my concept of prayer, how I exercised it most of the time was I'd be going along and my life would just start falling apart. And the next thing I know, I'd wind up in a really horrible situation. And my idea of prayer was just throwing my hands up to God and crying and having some emotional breakdown and, you know, uh, an emotional spew there, which I'm not saying is bad. I'm not condemning anybody for doing that. But that was like my full idea of what prayer was. Or, you know, we gather around the dinner table and we say, thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it to nourish our body in Jesus name. Amen. You know, amen. All right. Awesome. There we go. That's done. And it, but we, so I grew up not really understanding prayer. And when, when I began to read the scriptures, you know, I was reading through Exodus a few weeks ago. And this is when God called Moses to go to Pharaoh. And so Moses comes, he starts bringing these plagues onto Egypt. And it's just so crazy because Pharaoh will come and it would repent to Moses and say, please turn these plagues away. Like, get them out of here. Pray to your God. And so Moses at one point literally told Pharaoh, he said, I'll show up tomorrow. You tell me what time, you tell me when, you tell me where, and I'll show up and I will speak a word in prayer to God. And when I speak, these plagues will retract from Egypt. And it just blew my mind because I was like, man, that is so crazy. In the Bible, they had this understanding of authority. They had this understanding of prayer. They had this understanding of faith that when we speak, when we do engage in this thing, things happen. And, and that was kind of my thing is that I didn't engage in prayer. I didn't understand prayer. And when I did pray, I never saw any fruit in my life. Uh, and so over the next, I don't know how many weeks we're going to, I want to talk about in-depth prayer and fasting and give you a very good biblical understanding to start seeing things moving and shifting and fruit being produced in your life. You know, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to live in a dead religion. You don't have to live in a cycle where, you know, you just have to kind of survive through life and you pray and nothing ever happens and nothing ever changes. That's not what the scriptures teach us. And so uh, today I'm going to be giving you one key. I have five keys I've written down. But if you if you're taking notes, if you want to just some way log what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks, five keys to receive answered prayers. And also with that, removing the barriers to answered prayers. And so I want to give you five biblical keys, how to have your prayers answered. I think anybody would want that. You know, the Bible doesn't teach us that we're supposed to just pray. And our idea is praying is, I don't know if this is God's will. Lord, if this is your, if you pray like that, Lord, if this is your will, 
If this is your, I don't know what your will is, but we just sit here with our hands lifted up and we're kind of just throwing things up to heaven, hoping something sticks, waiting for something to happen. Nothing will ever happen. Nothing will ever change and you'll never move forward. The Bible actually gives us keys that Jesus said, if you do these things, then what you believe, what you speak, what you say will come to pass and you will receive it. But in the same side, most in the text that he gives us these keys, there's also barriers that he says, hey, in the same way that if you engage in this element, you will receive answered prayers. If, if you have this certain thing in your life, it will actually hinder your prayers from being answered. And so I want to put this out there because, again, there's maybe some things that you've been praying for, you've been believing for. And you're like, man, I don't know. It's not happening. I guess it's not God's will. Well, you can actually look at the scripture and say, hey, are any of these qualities in my life? And if so, then maybe it's not God that's the problem. Maybe there's actually something in my life that is hindering the answer to this prayer from coming to pass in my life. You have anything to say with that? Yeah. yeah you know, you hear you hear people say all the time, man, the, the devil just may, must be after me. My, my tire flew off today. Man, the devil just must be after me. I looked at my bank account and there's no money in there. And here's here's my revelation. Maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's your discipline. A lot of the times, you know, that's that's what we do as Christians is when we fail personally, we blame the devil. And why give the devil so much credit anyway? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I feel like it's very important to understand the difference between the devil and your lack of discipline. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, I think, but, you know, it's important that there, there's there's two sides of this. There's people, like you said, they'll stub their toe on the, you know, front door and, oh, the <laughs> devil, he just, he just got me this morning. You know, you're like, what are you talking about? But on the flip side, there's people that, that are so naive to the spiritual warfare that is taking place, that things that actually are demonic, that they're trying to solve all these issues in the natural, you know, uh, working harder. If I can just get here, if I can just do this, but they don't understand that it's not a physical issue. It's actually spiritual and it is the devil. But I, I think it's funny, you know, somebody will be, uh, they'll find themselves sitting in a jail cell and they're sitting there Christians and man, the devil just got me. What do you mean the devil got you? You got arrested for smoking meth or something. That's not, you know, at some point there's right. an element of of our decisions that we're eating the fruit. Cause I'll tell you this, along with what you said, you know, the Bible says that God is a God of justice. Do not mock the justice of God. You will always reap what you sow. Amen. You'll always reap what you sow. Uh, I know in Proverbs, it says that fools destroy their own lives and then blame God. Right. Uh, I mean, there's a totally an element of, is this the big bad wolf? that's just huffing and puffing and blowing my life to shreds? Or is there decisions that I've been making that have actually landed me in the position that I'm in? But going back to the prayer, you know, I, I want I want you to think about this. There's five keys. I'm, I'm a systematic person. When I, my mind works, A plus B equals C. That's the way that I that I think. You know, I was preaching this yesterday at church. And I said, I don't know if that's just a man thing, if that's just a John thing that, that, that that's how, even with my wife, you know, that when, we, if we're having a discussion there's tension or something, she's like, I, there's times that she's just wanting to talk and communicate. And it's like, but a man wants to fix the problem. A man's like, here's the problem. Let's fix it. Let's go straight to it. 
you know, we don't need to talk about all that other useless junk. Let's just deal with this. That's just the way my mind works is A plus B equals C. And I know that God is also a God of system. You know, that the, the same God, even in creating the earth, God created a system. The sun rises and the sun sets and we have seasons and we have times and 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 that there is a system that everything operates according to. And prayer is the exact same way. You know that God has given us specific instructions. But the thing is, is what we totally neglect the word of God. We totally don't search out the scriptures to do the things the Bible tells us. And then we wonder, why aren't we getting the result? You know, if I'm making fried chicken, how many of y'all know I can't go and buy pickles and man, I'm going to go, I'm going to make me some fried chicken. So I go to the store, I buy me a bar, uh, a jar of pickles and a jar of mayonnaise. And I come back to my kitchen and I think I'm going to make me some fried chicken with this pickles and with this mayonnaise. It ain't going to work like that. That if you're wanting that result, you have to have the specific ingredients. But we do the same thing in prayer and, and engaging in the things in the word of God is we just kind of like we, we just totally push aside the word of God and we do things our way, the ways that we think that they should be done. And, and we don't see the result. And God is saying, hey, look, I've given you specific instructions that guaranteed specific results. Right. And so. I want to dive right into this. The five keys. We're talking about answered prayers. We'll go over these for the next few weeks. But looking at number one, I know it's what are we 17 minutes in? We haven't even hit number one. That's the okay, that's man. the story of my life right that's there, man. Okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people always tell me when you do podcasts, which you're good at this, you know, you got to keep it at like five minutes. And I'm just like, man, oh my God. I don't know how to I don't know how to do that, but Anyways, if you're still sticking with us, thank you so much. I believe that you will receive from this, and I want to pray for you at the end. I'm going to believe that God's going to touch your life. Me and Tanner will both pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so even if you just got to sit through this to get to that to that point, you're needing a touch from God. We're going to pray, and, and God's going to touch you. Uh, but let's look at key number one, five keys to receive answered prayer. If you're taking notes, if you're writing this down, write this down for number one. You have to speak and declare things out of your mouth. So I'm going to give you super practical keys in the word of God. You have to speak and declare things out of your mouth. I'm going to read you James 4, 2 through 3. You must I bet you were thinking, okay, we're about to go into some deep, super, you know, elaborate theological thing right here. Super basic, elementary. A lot of people know this, but I'm telling you, a lot of people totally overlook this in their life. That you have this is the way I started by saying that God is a God of system. This is the system that God's created. It's not enough to just think something in your mind. I I I desire, I, I wish that my life would be better. Man, I wish that that I would make more money. I wish that my family would be healthier, my marriage would be healthier, my ministry, whatever that that area of life that you're in, that we just, we sit here and we just wish that things were better, but then we get so dissatisfied that things aren't better. And we com- sometimes we completely overlook a fundamental uh, element in the scripture. You have to actually speak and declare things out of your mouth. If you're not speaking things out of your mouth, your life will never go in the direction that you wish it would. And you'll just sit back and be dissatisfied your whole life and wonder why things aren't working out. 
Start with the basics that the Bible says. Speak and declare things out of your mouth. James 4, 2 through 3. James says this, You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. I want you to see this. He says, Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for I want to read that again. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And then verse three, which we'll get back to, but it says, but even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. And what you want will give you, will only give you pleasure. And what you all, and what you want only, you want only what will give you pleasure. I'm so sorry. I butchered that. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That's James four, two through three. I want you to understand something right now. You don't have because you don't ask. I want to break this mentality off of Christians. You have a right to desire good things in life. Amen. 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 You know, so many Christians think we're in this religious mindset that God just wants us weak. God just wants us broke. God just wants to keep us all super humble and, and super, you know, low in life. And so we think, that it's wrong to desire increase in our life. We think that it's wrong to actually come to God and say, God, I I desire to make more money. God, I desire to to move up in my place of work. I desire for my my family to be taken care of better. We think that it's wrong that God, you know, that those are worldly things and God's this God that doesn't he doesn't care about those things and we think that it's wrong. You have to break that off of uh, of your mind, get that out of your mind, break that mindset just away from you, get that out of your heart. Stop thinking like that, that it's wrong to ask God uh, for increase in your life. I'm going to tell you this you have permission to ask God for anything that is in His Word. You have permission to ask God for anything that's in His Word. First John 5 14 through 15 says this We are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything. That pleases him. Another translation says, He hears us when we ask for anything according to his will. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. That's right. God hears us and gives us whatever we ask for that's according to his will. How do we know what God's will is? I don't ever want to hear another preacher say, We can't know the will of God. You can know the will. The, the, the Bible says that God's word is a light into my path and a lamp into my feet. I can know what God's will is by knowing God's word. God will never tell you anything separated from his word. I mean, I guarantee you, I've heard stories of people that have never had the Bible, have never heard the gospel. Jesus showing up in the third world countries, in the villages, to people in dreams, and the the Holy Spirit starts speaking to them. But he never speaks anything that is contradicting to his own word. That's right. God will always speak according to his word. His word, it says the heavens and the earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. That his word never returns void. That God, you can know what God's will is by living and walking and observing life according to his word. And so what's amazing, this is what Christians don't don't understand, is that you have a right to search the word of God, find promises in the word of God, and then ask God 
for those promises, for those blessings in your life according to his word. You know, Ephesians chapter one says, we have been given every blessing in Christ, every spiritual blessing in Christ. So again, we think as Christians that it's wrong to ask for blessing, that it's wrong to desire that, but the Bible says that it's actually God's will. He's actually given us access to every single spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So I know that it's not wrong for me to desire blessing in life. It's not wrong. The Bible says in Galatians 3 that I have the same blessing that Abraham had. If y'all look at the blessing of Abraham back in Genesis, that man was wealthy. That man was prosperous. That man was successful. That man had an influence in the world. Uh, I mean, God, that man was made righteous by his faith. I am entitled to those blessings. I'm entitled to, and it's a good thing for me to desire that. But the devil wants you to think that it's wrong for you to desire increase in your life. I just want to break that mindset off alone right here. You know, when God made uh, man and woman, he made Adam and Eve. The first thing that he said was be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to tell you, it is hardwired inside every human being, the desire to multiply in your life the desire to increase in your life. Every single human being has the desire to increase and multiply in their life. If they say that they don't, they're lying. They do. In some area of their life, whether it's financially, whether it's in their ministry, whether it's in their business, whether it's with their family, is the desire to increase and multiply. Jesus even said this. He said, every tree, every branch that belongs to me, he says, I prune. Uh, Every branch that produces fruit, I prune so that it can produce more fruit. Never will you get to a place in your life where you should stop multiplying and increasing and bearing more fruit. I don't care if you're 90 years old and you've been in the ministry for 50 years and you feel like you've ran your race, you've you've ran the race, you finished the race, you finished the purpose that God has for you on this planet, that if you belong to Christ, you should continually, continually be producing fruit and multiplying and increasing in your life. And Jesus actually said, every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit will be chopped off uh, and thrown into the fire. And so, again, we don't have, James says in James 4, you don't have because you don't ask God for it. Start asking God for the promises that he has given us in his word. Get rid of that poverty mindset. Get rid of that slave mindset and start taking the word of God and believing the promises I know this seems like a fundamental thing. Uh, I want, before I jump into this, Tanner, you got anything to say to that? No? Let's we'll just keep moving forward. So I heard a, a podcast one time of a man that he was interviewing this pastor, and this guy pastored a church in Redding, California, the same town that Bethel is, you know, big Bethel that's touching millions of people, sending music out and doing conferences, doing like crusades and and. People are flying in from all over the world to go to Bethel and see what what God is doing there. And so they interviewed this man that was a pastor in the same town as Bethel. And they started asking him, they said, hey, you know, be vulnerable with us. Be honest with us. What's it like pastoring a church in the same town as Bethel? Like, do you feel like you live in their shadow? Do Do you feel like it's hard being two blocks away from one of the most influential influential churches in the on the entire planet. And he began to tell the story. He said, you know, a few years ago, 
there was this crazy, crazy manifestation of the presence of God that was happening at Bethel. He said that, that just like in Exodus, there was literally a cloud of glory that was forming when they would meet in their services. There was just like this cloud that, that would be present with them uh, in their services. And there was just crazy manifestations of the Spirit of God happening. But there was a tangible, visible cloud of God's glory uh, at Bethel. And so people started flying in from all over the world and trying to debunk it and say, oh, it's just special effects. It's just lights and lasers and fog machines and smoke machines. And then people were leaving saying, no, you know, this is supernatural. This is not special effects. This we are special effects. They were flying in from not even Christian secular people trying to debunk it. And they're saying this is not our craft like this. Something is happening here that is supernatural. And so he said, as a pastor, you know, you can imagine he went to God and was like, God, what is going on here? You know, we're two blocks away. We're over here having church and two blocks away. They're having a, a stinking glory cloud show up. Like, do you just love them more than you love us? Do you Are they just that much more anointed, that much better than us? And why, why are they having that? And here we are right down the road and we're not having that. And the spirit of God spoke to him and said, you know, son, you know why they have a, a cloud? And he said, why? He said, God said, because they asked me for a cloud. You never asked me. And that's the same thing that we do. This is a principle in receiving answers to prayer. We look at life. We look at these things we want. We look at these things we desire. We wish would be better in our life, but we just sit silently and never speak it out of our mouth, never bring it to God and specifically say, God, I'm not just wishful thinking. I'm not just desiring. I am asking according to your will, according to your word. I am, I desire, I'm going to ask you. And the Bible says simply this, you have not because you ask not. I want to challenge every single person that's listening with just taking step one in your life. Start asking God for the things that you're desiring. Step one, we need to look at, instead of just wishful thinking, we have not because we ask not. Maybe you don't have something in your life because you haven't simply been speaking it and declaring it out of your mouth and specifically asking God for it. I'm going to show you this, Matthew 7, 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Again, you, you guys, we have to understand God's ways are not like our ways. In, in the flesh, we 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 see that what we're trying to achieve, what we want, the place that we're trying to get to. And in our human nature, we think these are the steps to get there. We need to get away from that and learn to just get with the word of God and do what the word says. The word doesn't say, you know, kill yourself and and you have to work, 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 work and spend 50 years to get to this certain place in life. I'm not saying that working is bad. The Bible says that working is good. A man that doesn't work doesn't eat. But what I'm saying is that we neglect and just overlook the steps that God has given us. And maybe you've been doing the same thing. Maybe you're lacking in your life and you're saying, you know what, John, I actually haven't. I haven't stepped back, stepped back and got away with God and simply asked him for the things that I'm believing for. Maybe I should stop complaining. Maybe I should stop being so depressed about what I don't have and wishing uh, that I had it and wondering why I don't have it and start taking God at his word and say, hey, maybe I have not because I haven't been asking. That's God's system. 
Again, again, I'll read it to you. Matthew 7, 7, God backs it up with another scripture. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. I want to give you all this. Again, I promised I'll give you five keys to receive answers to your prayers, but I'm also going to give you things that will hinder you from receiving answers to your prayers. And so in the same text in James 4, that he gives us this key, he actually gives us a barrier as well. I want to show you verse three. So, so say maybe some of you do that. Maybe some of you take uh, what I'm saying. All right, I'm gonna tonight when I get home, I'm gonna get away. I'm gonna withdraw. I'm gonna get with God one on one, and I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna stand in faith. I'm gonna ask for this. But maybe still then you don't receive what you're believing for. Why? Oh, before we start bending theology and blaming God, let's look at the barrier that James says. Verse three, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Our motives are wrong. Here's a question, and I want to kind of lay some text out, give you some example. Here's a question. Why do you want what you want? People love to quote this all the, all the time. I want, I want to say this, though. Nice things are not wrong to have. It's not wrong to have nice things in life. It's not wrong to have money. It's not sinful to have money in life. You know, if it was sinful to have money, then Abraham was a very sinful man. Isaac was a very sinful man. Jacob was a very sinful man. Joseph was a very sinful man. David was a very sinful man. Solomon was a very sinful man. All the women that followed Jesus in his ministry and it says that they supported Jesus and the disciples from their own private funds were very sinful women, apparently. But no, that's not what the Bible says. But people will always say this. Oh, how many of y'all know that money is the root of all evil? Well, let's look at 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love, just right where you are, say love. I want you to get this. It doesn't say money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So again, is it wrong? Is, is money wrong? Is it wrong to desire money? Well, with the wrong motive, if it's for the love of money, what it's talking about, the love of just wanting wealth, of just wanting, I just want the car, I just want the house. Why do you want increase in your life? If it's for the wrong motive, the Bible says that that will actually create a barrier and you won't receive what you ask for. I want you to think of dynamite. You know, dynamite is an extremely powerful tool that you could take a stick of dynamite and use it as a tool and blow a hole through a mountain to make a, to make a highway. You could blow a hole through a mountain to make a railroad track. But if I took dynamite, something that could be extremely useful, extremely powerful, have great effect, and I put it in the hands of my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter and, and lit the fuse, how many of y'all know that would not be good? So sometimes the things that we're desiring is good, is godly, is actually promised to us in the Word of God, yet we do not see them in our lives because James says your motives behind why you want it is wrong. You know how you can test your motive? You say, well, how do I know if I have wrong motives? What are you? What would you do with it if you had it? I hear people say this all the time, like, 
You know, let me say this. If you went out to your mailbox tomorrow and there was a million dollars in your mailbox sitting there, cash, what would you do with it? People are like, I don't know. I don't, I really don't think, or they say either, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Think about it. You need to know right now. You don't need to wait until the blessing of God comes. You need to start building discipline in your life right now to say, Lord, I'm making the plan now so that when I do enter into the promise, when I do enter into the blessing, that's what God told them to do in Deuteronomy chapter eight. Before they ever entered into the promised land, he said, make a plan so that when you get there, and you build fine homes, and you're living in the blessing, and you're living in the the land flowing with milk and honey, and your children are blessed, your wives are blessed, your crops are blessed, your animals are blessed. Do not turn your back on the Lord your God. Make a plan before you get there of what you would do. You need to ask yourself, if I I walked out and there was a million dollars sitting there right now, what would I do with it? You need to decide in your heart right now that that would not become an obstacle for you. Or the second thing is this. People will say, well, if I had a million dollars, man, I'd be writing a, a $300,000 check to the church. And you look at them and you say, no, you wouldn't. Why? Because you made $30 and you didn't give $3 to the church. You don't even honor God with the small things. And that's what the Bible says, that if you're not faithful with the small, you won't be faithful with the great things. We thank You know, if you want to know what your motives truly are, look at what you're doing with what God has given you right now. That tells you your heart. That tells you your motives. And that could actually show you in the scripture. If you're if you're not being faithful. I mean, I know this is a sore spot and people don't like talking about it, but it's in the Bible. And as I told you, we preach the full word of God. You know, they're not honoring God with the tithe in their in their church where they're being fed or they're not honoring God with what he's given them right now then I'm telling you that that right there already shows you that their motives are wrong. Well, why am I not tithing? Well, why? Because I would I would rather use this money to buy this or to do this or, you know, I'm not really trusting God. We, we just live closed-fisted. Our motives are already wrong, and the Bible says that you will not receive what you ask for because your motives are wrong. You need to know what you would do. Uh, you know, I'm going to give you, and here's the thing. So don't live in the place where you're like, okay, well, I've been messing up. My motives are not right. I haven't been honoring God. So I guess I'm just going to live a life where my prayers don't get answered. No, repent and get your motives right today. We can do that. You can pray today and start making steps and taking making decisions and taking steps to align your motives and align your heart, align your steps up with the word of God to see your prayers produce in your life. You got anything to add to that? No? So let me look at this. 2 Corinthians 9. You could say, okay, the desire to increase in wealth is godly, but it can be twisted with the wrong motive. Why does God, you say this, I want a promotion at my job. That's great. That's a good thing. Why? Well, you know, to make more money. Wonderful. That is awesome. Why? Why do you want to make more money? Am I condemning you? No, I think that that's great. That's a a biblical thing. Why do you want to make more money? It's fundamentally going to come down. If your motive is, well, because I want the bigger house, I want the faster car, I want want the the high life, I I want to be Mr. and Mrs. Jones, that's my motive, that's that's the the reason I go and I, I shed blood, sweat, and tears at the job that I do because that's what I'm trying to achieve, then the motive is wrong. Let me show you how you can flip it 
with a good motive. Second uh, Corinthians nine, a biblical motive, eight through eleven. It says God will per- generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. For what reason? To share with others. As the scripture says, they share freely with the poor. They share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take the get those gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. You can flip the motive and say, okay, Lord, I want, a, I want a promotion at my job. Why? So that I can make more money. Why? So I can be a vessel for you to use to spread the gospel across the face of the earth. God, I want to feed a thousand kids a day. God, I want to plant churches in China and Africa and in East Texas and in New Mexico and Louisiana. I want to fund missionaries. I want to take care of the widows. I want to feed the hungry. I want to take care of the orphans. Lord, I want to be a conduit where I'm a fire hose. You tell me where to point and I pull the lever and it's just the resources of heaven spewing from my life. All of a sudden now, it's the same intention of what you're desiring, but the motive is biblical and and God stands behind it. And again, you can't just say, well, that's what I'm going to say I'd like to do. You have to be faithful with what you're doing right now. It's easy all day long to say, well, once I got to a certain level of income, once I get to a certain level where it's comfortable, that's not faith right now. You know, and that's what Matthew 6, 33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So people begin to say, okay, Lord, so you make me a multimillionaire. What does that mean? I'm supposed to put my family on the back burner. I'm supposed to give everything that I have away and make my wife do without, make my children do without, make my family do without. How does that make sense? You know, should, what's, where's that line of where it's healthy and it's okay for me to be blessed? I'm telling you right now that if God increased you to that level and you gave everything that you had away, you would never, ever, ever be without in, in any area of your life. That the thing that everybody else is working for, busting their butt for, that the nicest, newest car, the best, nicest house, that they're shedding blood, sweat, and tears, but that's the motive behind what they're doing. You seek first the kingdom of God. You honor God in this way. You get your motives right. You become a vessel that he uses to fund his mission on this earth and everything else, then all those things that everybody else is killing themselves for will be added to you. That's a message people don't like to hear. People hate on Joel Olstein all the time and say how you know wrong it is that he's living such a luxurious life and it's just ridiculous. If you really do some research, you know, Joel said he never even intended to be the pastor of that church. That his dad passed away and he felt prompted by the he said I wanted to be behind the scenes. I never came into this thing wanting to be rich and wealthy and successful. He said, I wanted, I was happy being behind the scenes, but God told me that it was my place to step up and take over that church. And all that me and my wife wanted to do was help people. All that we wanted to do was share Jesus and, and help those that need help 
help be able to send kids to school that can't afford to go to school and kids eat that can't afford to eat and, and women that are being abused and all these other things. He said that was what our mission was. And then it, it's actually said that him and his dad would take the first day of every week whenever his dad was still alive and they would spend eight hours a day on Monday morning or on Monday writing checks to send out to other ministries from their ministry. Just give, 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 give. And so people look at the luxury. People look at the blessing. People look at that lifestyle and they want that blessing, but they don't understand that that they didn't get there by, again, the motive of we're trying to just have the biggest house, the nicest life, the private. They didn't get there that way. They put first the kingdom of God and God elevated them to that level of overflow in their life. And that's the same principle for us. And so, again, I want to just reiterate, you have not because you ask not. You know, look at Solomon. I want to give you another example with this, though, with with the blessing thing. Solomon, you know, God came to Solomon and said, ask me for anything. And Solomon, uh, he asked him for wisdom. He said, God, I want wisdom. And God was blown away. He said, wait, you didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for uh, influence. You didn't ask for victory over your enemies. You asked me for wisdom. God found that his motives were pure. His motives were right and that he was a vessel that God could use. What was the result? What Solomon asked for wisdom and God made him the wealthiest man that ever lived. God made his wealth greater than any man. The Bible says God gave him wisdom that was that was greater than any man that's ever lived before. God gave him, gave him great influence. God gave him victory over his enemies. God gave him the things that any other person would have asked for, would have strived for, would have desired. God gave them to him because he didn't ask for that. He put first the kingdom of God and his motives were right. And then the Lord added all of those things to him, like it says in Matthew 6, 33. So the first key, again, I'll go over. You have to speak and declare things out of your mouth. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you have to make sure your motives are right. I want to kind of go back to the first point and just show you a few more examples. And then we're going to be done with this with this podcast this time. But number one was, again, you have to speak and declare things out of your mouth. I want to prove this point. I've said it, but this is God's method. You are never going to get around this. There is no other way to see things produced in your life than doing what I've just said. I'm going to show you some scriptures. Mark 11:22. This has been a foundational scripture through our series on prayer and fasting. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You can say, it's right where you're at. Say, Tanner, say, will you say, say, say. you can say to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea you know what's so amazing is jesus again when you face mountains jesus didn't say hey take a hike buddy live mountaintop valley low mountaintop valley low and he said the way that you deal with the mountain is you speak to it you don't deal with the mountain by putting your hands on it and striving and working and doing all these things and I'm putting in the hard hours and the blood, sweat, and tears. He said, the way that you move mountains is you say, you speak. This is God's method. And we've got to get that. Think of this. The first account that we have with God as this creator, that he 
He speaks all these things into existence. He says, let there be light, which I'm actually about to read in Genesis 1-3. He speaks the, the earth into existence, the heavens, the, the light, the darkness, the, the water, the land. The animal. He does all of that. And, and then it's the first account that we have is it says, then God makes man in his image and his likeness. We have this picture of a creator that all he does is speak, 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 speak. And the, the universe is forced to respond to the spoken word of God. And then he creates man in his likeness and in his image. You have to speak it out of your mouth. Amen. Let's move on. Proverbs 18, 20. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Your life is not going to be full of the hard work you put in. Your life is going to be full of the words that you're speaking. I just want you to see that in scripture. A man shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. You're not going to necessarily get... Uh, the thing that you work for. I mean, that sounds really bad to say, but I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of good people that have worked really long, hard lives, and they've never even still achieved or obtained that level of, of multiplication of increase in their life. Why? Because the Bible says that that's not necessarily only God's method, but God's method is that you will be satisfied and filled by the produce of your mouth, by the words that you speak from your lips. I'm going to show you Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, I say, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, guys, we got to stop putting the ball in God's court and saying, God, you do this. You do this. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't this working? When Jesus said, speak to the mountain, bind it on earth. The way that you bind it is you speak to it. You know, stop fighting. If you're struggling with pornography, Stop sitting here and, oh, man, I'm just trying to be good and I'm fighting the fight and I'm laying at bed at night and I'm burning and I'm just, I don't know what to do. Speak to that demon and tell it to get away from you. Start speaking things out of your mouth. You have the authority and the ability to say, I bind you, devil, in, the G in Jesus' name. Get away from me. And God said that he will back you with the authority of heaven and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Uh, James 3, 3 through 5. This is my last scripture. And, and I want to pray for you. My last scripture, James 3, 3 through 5. We can make a horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. You know, the horse doesn't, I don't know, you know, I didn't grow up around horses, but from what I understand, a horse doesn't go, a good horse doesn't go where the horse wants to go. The horse goes where it's directed by the bit that it's in its mouth. You know, you have this huge ship and it says that the huge ship is directed by this small rudder. The, 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 the captain, you know, turns the wheel and then that, that turns that rudder and whatever direction that rudder is turning, that's the direction that the ship goes in. And it even mentions in the Bible, even despite the wind, even despite the storm, that means that you can navigate through life, through storms, through trials by the words that you speak out of your mouth. If you notice in scripture, the thing that held 
the the Israelites from going into the promised land, the Bible says, was their complaining. You can go through any, you can make it through absolutely anything. If if when things start hitting you, trials and temptations and the devil is coming against you and the wind is blowing, you can go right through it and not be blown, not be tossed by speaking your life in the direction that you want to go. Your life will not go where you want it to go. Your life will go where you command it to go. You can wish all day long that things were better, but until you stop complaining, until you stop speaking negativity, and you start speaking the word of God and truth and life, and speak your life in the direction you want it to go. If you're sick, I'm going to tell you, I've heard one of my, just, you know, he doesn't know me, but really, in a way, he's a spiritual father to me. Jonathan Shuttlesworth says, hey, you know, we're not three years old. We don't have to say everything that we feel. Man, I really don't feel good this morning. I really just, I'm feeling sick. Okay, you don't have to say it. You don't have to validate the devil. You say, instead of saying, man, I'm just sick and I just can't get over this and I just don't know why, say, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. 30 minutes later, the headache is still there. Oh man, I prayed, but this headache, well, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. Psalms 91 says that you would keep sickness from my house, that you would keep plagues away from my home. Deuteronomy 28 says that you would keep the sicknesses that were put on the Egyptians. You would keep them away from me. By his stripes, I'm healed in Jesus' name. By faith. You, the, you keep speaking and eventually your life, your faith, your mind, your heart will line up with the words that you're speaking. I'm telling you right now, it, people, it gets hard. But that, that is the way that you navigate, that your life will follow your words. And if you continue to stand strong and stand steadfast in the faith, speak. You have to speak. So the first key to answered prayer, you have to speak and declare things out of your mouth. But you have to remember your words the same way that they can have produce answered prayers. They can hinder your prayers from being answered. You know, uh, I didn't get to give the Amazon package analogy, but I want you to think of, uh, you know, you're praying and and I'll actually share it next week. But we, we can do all the right things. But in the same way, it's like the second that we slip back into that doubt and we start speaking negativity and doubt and unbelief, we cancel all the faith that we've been standing in. And we're going to get to that next week with the with the second key to answered prayer. But I just want you to start practicing that today. Speak and declare things out of your mouth. And as far as the barriers, check the motives. Ask God. You have not because you ask not. Ask God and check the motives in your heart behind what you're asking for, why you're asking what you're asking for. Right where you're at, I want to pray for you. If you want to put your faith, you may not be a believer. You may be just listening to this. If you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's the foundational thing. These are not life principles. These are not self-help steps that you can read in an Oprah Winfrey book. The foundational step one for any of this working is you have to belong to Jesus. You have to be in covenant with God. And the only way, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to enter into eternal life, to enter into covenant with God, to enter into the promises that I'm talking about without putting your faith in Jesus Christ. 
How do we do that? The Bible says, repent of your sins, believe in your heart, confess to God right now. You can proud to God and say, God, I repent. I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus, I believe and I accept the sacrifice that Jesus paid for my sin. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. And now my life will be a living sacrifice that pleases you. That my life will now be an instrument put in your hand to not live by my will, to not do what what I want to do, but to humble myself into the obedience of the mission of the gospel. If you will make that confession, I want to assure you that you have received salvation and that God has placed you in covenant with him. The other thing that I want to do, if you have sickness and disease in your body, I want to ask Tanner to pray. I want you to lift your hands right where you're at, and we're going to speak to that demon. We're going to speak to that sickness. We're going to speak to that disease, and we're going to command it to be broken off in Jesus' name. Tanner, will you pray? Lord, we come to you right now, and we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that that there is absolutely no demon in hell that can withstand the power that your Holy Spirit has given us. Thank you, Lord. God, in Jesus' name, that if there's anyone listening that is in that is uh, that is enslaved to sickness, that is in, that is addicted to pornography, that if there's anything in their life that they need to get out, God, in Jesus' name, I pray it be broke right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, you said that if you had the faith of a mustard seed that you could speak to this mountain and be cast in the ocean. So Jesus, we come to you with faith even bigger than a mustard seed. And we say in Jesus' name, we speak to cancer. There is no form of cancer that is strong enough. God, there there is absolutely no disease that could come from the pits of hell, that could crawl its pitiful way out of the pits of hell and possess the body of a believer that is listening right now. In Jesus' name, I pray that it be broken off the life of each and every person listening. God, I pray that you would allow us to understand that you would absolutely wreck our lives with the reality that we were not meant to live as this little pea shooter generation of Christians, that we're just merely supposed to exist and we're supposed to set forth an an, an adequate example of what life should look like. But God, we are called to live an extraordinary life of abundance, God, that people would look at our lives and we would be set apart, God. God, I pray that in Jesus' name that if there's any unbelievers listening to this podcast, that you would just begin to convict them and that you would show them exactly who you are in Jesus' name. God, thank you for everything that you're going to do through this podcast and through John and I. I pray that you would bless us as we're faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much. Praise God. If I'm sure there's a way you can, we're kind of new to this. I am at least message us. Please share, feel free to share testimonies. Man, if you received healing, If you've given your life to Jesus, if this has touched you, inspired you, spoken to you, please feel free. Uh, That's what we are seeking after to do is just put the message of faith out there and watch it start producing life, uh, producing results, producing fruit and destroying the kingdom of hell on this earth. So we love you guys. Thank you so much. God bless you. Uh, And just be in prayer with us and we'll be in prayer for you. And I'm excited to continue in this and tune in next week and we will share the second key to receiving answered prayer along with the barriers that go along with it. God bless you.